Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 345 featuring Craig Weiss, Executive Creative Director at, uh, of VFX and Virtual Production at CBS. And he has been at CBS, Chris and I were just looking at it, for 28 years. It's the only jo- he got a job out of college and he stayed there. <laughs> and that's a great job, and really really cool guy. Uh, I do urge you guys to uh, listen to the whole podcast because we have some really exciting news that Greg and I talk about during the podcast. Uh, towards you know towards the end, so definitely check it out. But Kristen, I mean, what did you think of Craig? He's such a nice guy, right? Such a nice guy. He's done so much, and he had like the, it's a lot of information in this podcast. You guys get a little techie, and like it was, it was just I loved it. Um, and it was just like he talked about from an early age. He started on his dad's Super 8 camera, and then uh, when he was at school, the new Macintosh came out, and I liked how he basically he and his dad co-signed that instead of a nice car, and that's how he learned uh, 3D and animation. Um, and then he also discusses, which I I really like this. Um. How VFX now is very integrated in the production process. Like, unlike the past, you guys came on set and were like, who are those people? But like right. now everyone's very integrated and they all know each other. Um, so that was just really nice to hear. Um, yeah. But, absolutely yeah. absolutely we do talk about obviously you know with his experience and having been at that place for for as long as he has having seen the evolution of what visual effects has done and different things and in, uh, in different areas right and we do talk a lot about that and he talks a lot about the technology as you said as well as a lot of stuff about virtual production which is also a really good one and what he thinks the future of virtual production is talks about the you know things like the led walls which has been talked about quite a bit so uh really really great you know, resource to have and honestly speaking, he's a great insight in terms of seeing where we come from and where we're going in visual effects and how that affects things, uh, especially in the broadcast world, which is also very cool. Uh, I also really love the fact that he and I talked about, you know, how TVs now are such high quality that it's not, you know, it's not your old TV where like visual effects was like a really cheap thing. Now we are like full on visual effects in, in broadcast. And it's very interesting to sort of talk about that as well. So really great talking to him. And I look forward to meeting him in a few weeks in person, hopefully. <laughs> All right. Uh, cool. Now, if people want to know more about this podcast, Kristen, where can they go? You can go to facebook.com slash podcast or chaos.com slash cggrodge. And if you'd like to walk, watch us, you can go to youtube.com slash chaosgrouptv. Perfect. And if you guys have ideas or like the questions or any comments at all about the podcast, you can always email us. Labs at chaosgroup.com is the best place to reach us. So uh, yeah, just go ahead and do that. And if you'd like to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that's always welcome. We can uh, just go to uh, just leave us a, a review and a rating or whatever you want and make sure and share us with all of your friends and family. All right. But with that being said, please enjoy this episode number 345 Craig Weiss, Executive Creative Director of VFX and Virtual Production at CBS. Welcome to another CG Garage, where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're going to fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray And while image-based lighting is really swell 
You need to make sure everything has for now. Thank you so much for doing this. There's a lot of cool stuff that I want to talk to you about. And as you know, I'm going to you know, going to tease people saying, "Hey, we've got a, some exciting news to share." So I want sure people can can hear about that, and hopefully, we'll get. I'm going to make sure I get Sherry's blessing that we can release this uh, that news uh, before we release it at all. Yeah, I so. found. I did ask her. So they do release uh, the press releases tomorrow. So I don't know when you're. Is this? When? This comes out on Monday. Oh, then it'll already be released at that point. Yeah, so we should be able to, we should, to talk. So about we should that. talk. Yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We talk about it, but let's not let's not let's not spoil it for people yet. So let's talk a little bit about you. I want to hear your origin story. Yeah, you have a very exciting position. What is, what is what is your job title and what does it involve at this point? Yeah, so I am like the executive creative director, VFX supervisor for CBS VFX, which is the um, a division within CBS now Viacom CBS. And we were one of the first in-house like visual effects groups um, going on probably 28 years. Wow. So this was back in the day, uh, very early innings before there was a lot of uh, television broadcast VFX companies. You know, a lot of it was, um, you know, broadcast graphics. People had hairy rooms and stuff like that. And um, so I was able to kind of get into this early on and, and keep it going. <clears throat> so so what i mean were you were you working on a harry back in the day or like or yeah. what, was the, what was the thing so, <laughs> really well we, yes yes so the, the origins are um you know <laughs> i was that kid that borrowed his dad's super eight camera and would do uh-huh. uh stop frame animation i was obsessed with it and then yep. <clears throat> i was i started uh in the graphics department as an illustrator so that was my background uh but wow. but then the, you know one of the first macintoshes came out and you were able to do animation through like early early software on the Mac, um, you know, like Electric Image or Mac and Mind Director. So once I got exposed to that, it was like that was my obsession. So you know, we had that first uh, Mac at at work, and I literally decided, okay, I'm either going to go to grad school or I'm going to buy one of these systems. And I convinced my dad to co-sign, and it was a car payment for five years. But I literally went, yep. I went home starting once I got it and I would just stay up around the clock and learn 3D and, and uh, animation because <clears throat> the results were instant gratification versus sending your film in to get developed to wait a week to get it back, put on a projector and see your animation. So this was just, you know, just almost intoxicating. So, you know, I uh, eventually just kind of convinced the network like, hey, this is something we should look at, get into. And then uh, we, we built a hairy room for on-air graphics, but I would go there in the middle of the night when those guys left and I would learn how to do it. You know, I would just teach myself. And then, you know, we got some uh, 3D software on the Mac and uh, same thing there. And then, you know, um, Carol Burnett came in and was doing a special and said, hey, can you guys do any animation? And I said, sure. And I went home that night and figured out how to do it. I had no idea. I created like a little chasing bumper more Carol. I came back the next morning. They're like, that's great. What else can you do? So it was like, that was the start of things. And I would just put myself out there. And then um, they called and said, hey, we have this pilot, you know, touched by an angel and she's got wings. And can you guys do it? And my default answer was always yes, even though I didn't know what I was necessarily doing. (laughs) And and then it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And, and, And we're, you know, here we are still going. And it's such an exciting time to be involved in, in computer graphics and visual effects, as you know. 
Yeah, I know. It's and I think that's also that I've heard that story from many visual effects people always saying yes, but having no idea how to do things, right? I mean, that's we're always asked to do things that never been done before. And that's really kind of an interesting thing, right? Yeah, one of my favorite quotes I heard, uh, it was at I, I it was graduation. And, and uh, they said, you know, failure is a prerequisite for a creative life, like you have to be willing you know, and hopefully you, you don't feel too badly where you end it all, <laughs> but you have to right. be willing to put yourself out there even when you know you're not going to succeed because that's how you kind of leapfrog to the next moment and opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's amazing. So, you, so you've so you been at CBS the whole time? The yeah. Whole, this whole yeah. Time? Believe it or wow. not, first job out of college, um, got hired in the art department. I was a kid in, you know, a tank top and t-shirt, airbrushing mm -hmm. paintings for like Wheel of Fortune and Prices, right? And that, wow. and that, and that's what I did. It was an airbrush. It was analog. It was a paintbrush. Uh, we would design little paintings that would get blown up to big paintings for the backgrounds. And then it was the game changing moment for me was, you know, getting access to the, to, to the Harry and, and to the a higher end Mac when like the two FX came out and you could do some, you know, significant things with it. And that was my beginning. Yeah. Well, that's that's amazing. I mean, that's 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 quite a legacy you have there, and that's really cool. Uh, so, obviously, because you've been doing uh, this and you've sort of followed the trends, what what are your feelings now? I mean, obviously, like you said, this is an exciting time in visual effects. So, what are some of the things that excite you about visual effects and and what's going on right now, especially in in, in from your point of view? Yeah, well, there's a few exciting things, you know, on the technology side and on the creative side. I think on the technology side, I think you know, a lot of the kind of uh, painful, laborious tasks that used to weigh down a group because you had to get artists to do roto and, and, and certain things that have become uh, that the software is starting to handle more of, you know, whether that's uh, using machine learning to kind of create maths, you know, enough to get you what you need to do. So there's a lot more efficiencies, you know, tracking, um, just the stuff that was higher barrier to entry where, you know, you had to have a specialized guy and, um, you know, keeping him busy. And if he wasn't busy, you had to justify having him there. So some of those things that were a little bit more difficult and painful, I think are, are getting solved with software. And it's allowing you to just, again, as a pure artist to be creative and as a, somebody that runs a group in a facility, um, you know, more financial help in, in those respects. So I, mm -hmm. I like seeing those advancements and I think we're gonna continue to see that. Obviously the cost of uh, storage coming down and, and, and certain things that have really helped us, uh, you know, stay viable. Uh, although, you know, now we're getting into 4K HDR and all this other stuff. So it always kind of swings back anyway. Um, right. And then and then I think, uh, you know, for me on, on the creative content side, I'm, I'm very excited about the future of, um, you know, virtual production and, um, you know, virtual visual effects are becoming kind of an everyday occurrence in any show, right? So whether it be a walk and talk or, you know, a visual effects show, um, they're really leaning in and we're part of the daily kind of production. And, you know, it's exciting because, um, you know, we, 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 our specialty or things that I was very passionate about was 3D environments and pre-COVID, we were early innings on virtual production. And when I say virtual production, I don't mean the LED screen. I mean, just, you know, being on a stage with a green screen, you know, attempt composite of the environment, you know, uh, potentially in real time or editorial, 
but then a final render in V-Ray, say, where we push all the bells and whistles. Um, and, and, you know, that was, it took a while to get that into the, the hands of directors and producers because they always wanted to go to location, which makes sense. And then COVID just all of a sudden accelerated that. And now it's part of our, I feel like, everyday vocabulary is, do we need to go on location? Can we shoot this um, on a stage? Can you guys do the background for us? So people are more open. And I think that's what's been very exciting for me because I've uh, really had a passion for that for, for many years. Yeah, I think that people don't necessarily realize how much background replacements are are, are are done in in almost everything that you're seeing on on TV and in movies and everywhere right a hundred percent I mean everything from even simple set extensions to um, you know full virtual backgrounds you know uh, or just uh, replicating uh, sets that you can use um, for other purposes so you may have a set uh, for a show and then you might have social media, or you might have branding and marketing departments that can't get access to that set anymore. So now we're going in there and we're scanning that set, we're rebuilding that set, and we're matching that set photorealistically. So now they have this digital double that they could use at any time for any purpose when it comes to doing promotions, marketing. So there's a huge value in that area as well. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine as well. But I mean, you mentioned earlier, it's like, you know, well, you have these machine learning tools that are out there uh, and that are enabling things to go faster or whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, such as Roto, for example. And a lot of people are concerned that machine learning tools are necessarily going to take jobs away. But it seems to me that it's actually allowing you to do more work <laughs> than you've done before. Is that more like 100%. it? 100%. I, I don't mm -hmm. think it will ever, um, you know, at the end of the day, it all comes down to the artist, right? And the talent. And, and you know, uh, it's almost like the analogy for me is, you know, when, when Digi Doubles came out, actors were concerned that their jobs were going to go away and some CG character was going to replace them. But what we've all realized, it's really the actor that's driving the performance of that CG character, right? And right. same thing here. You What we're doing is at the at the end, you, you need the artist to drive the creative performance. and um, you know, whether it's machine learning that's doing Roto or, or it's doing tracking now, um, those artists that were doing that might transition into the more creative aspects of things. And, and those I think are just pain points that I think, uh, ultimately don't really, uh, add value. They're a necessity to the creative process, but really it's all about having the ability to create and having these tools to help you is just, you're right you're able to now just do more. Right. And then, and then, like you said, you, you add HDR and 4k and it just made it a little more difficult every time. Right? Every time they keep pushing back <laughs> the finish line. Like, uh, you know, we all remember the days of going from standard def and just being able to ingest HD in real time into a computer, you know, into right. the early days of SGI and you needed this expensive card and, and, um, and, and now it just, it, it seems like it's evolving so quickly. Uh, but it's exciting. You know, I remember when we first got into, you know, broadcast used to be like, you know, uh, 601, you know, uh, 640 by 480. It was already RGB color space. And then this thing came around called log color space. And this is what the film guys were doing. And I'm like, oh, God, why do we have to get involved in that? It's just going to take time. And and now when you see, again, it's just gives you that um, 
that creative flexibility and all the control you have. And it's just, and those are the things that get exciting, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I do want to talk about a little, you know, I've had this conversation with some people and it's a little bit, you know, tricky conversation, but you would be, could be, an, I've loved your input on this. Basically, you know, since the, the COVID situation, I have been watching a whole lot more TV <laughs> because I'm stuck at home yeah. and I'm, and, and, you know, I actually decided to finally like, you know, upgrade my TV to a 4K HDR TV and get a really nice OLED one yeah. because I was going to be stuck at home and I've got a nice Atmos, Dolby Atmos sound. And, and I was like, this is really good. This is a really great experience that you have from home now. And the quality of that, that demand of what that is, is, you know, in some cases, especially when you consider the HDR-ness of it, can sort of rival certain film qualities yes. in a lot of ways. I mean, as, how does that affect the demand on visual effects in, 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 in the broadcast world, which is normally has to run and gun on everything compared to what, you know, the luxury of time that some of the VFX and features had before. You know, that is a great question. And um, I've seen that evolution. So early innings in visual effects and broadcast, you, you kind of had TV visual effects and then you had feature film visual effects. And there was a, a big disparity between the two, right? Because a, it was time and money and budget and, um, and those were the big determining factors. Plus, you know, people accepted TV as TV and film as film. They were two kind of different levels of, I would say, quality, right? And then fast forward, all this, you know, streaming comes along. You have Netflix and Amazon and all these streamers that have the budget to almost treat television like film, right? So a lot of these uh, series and limited series are almost feature films. And to me, in some ways, you know, uh, TV has become film, right? So if, if you look at the level of visual effects that are being achieved on these um, streaming platforms, there is uh, no discernible difference from what you see in the theater and what you see on TV. So yes, the expectation now is very high and that that um, does create some challenge. So we, I think there's been an adaption saying, look, you know, we, we there's a negotiation of really how much time do we need? What, you know, the budgets are bigger, they're different. Um, so there has been an adjustment and it hasn't been easy because um, the expectation is the quality is always going to be here, but the time and money may not be there. So, you know, like, like anything, visual effects has its challenges in that area, you know? Uh, sure. But, but I think the lines have blurred and um, I, I, I truly believe if you really look at even, theatrical releases now they pale by comparison to you know some of these uh series that are popping up right and left with just stunning visual effects yeah i agree i think i think you know and this just is just from from a narrative point of view i think one of the other things that's happening is that the the mini series is back in a lot of ways right? yes they have these six episode things and it allows you more time to tell that story you're not stuck in that 90 minutes or two hour uh uh show that you have to tell a very complicated story and it's really kind of allows for a lot more development but it also means there's a lot more stuff on the screen a lot more minutes right <laughs> a lot more minutes and i remember those early days when we would have those uh miniseries you know in television and it would be like mm -hmm. those were like uh, a two-night event or three-night event it might be earthquake or you know we worked on a few of those and um and and then that kind of just disappeared because they were expensive and you know the audience uh tastes were changing and now they're back right and i'm noticing that right. i just saw an ad for a, you know la brea or something on on 
and it looked like a full-blown, you know, VFX disaster uh, uh, series. And I, I smiled. I'm like, yay, it's back. Yeah. You know. I do remember, you know, the back way back in the day when there was things like Shogun and Roots and stuff. Yes. Those were epic moments and that people remembered, you know, that when that was on TV. And I think those are, are, are great, great things. And I think that also, you know, you have the time to tell the story. Yes. Uh, which is a really, really great thing. Yeah, I, I do want to. I want. I do want to touch on virtual production because we were mentioning this, and obviously, this is a big subject. Yeah. And I think once we, we you and I, uh, you know, when we first met, we, we were talking about what where virtual production was going to mm-hmm. go and what it's going to do. Obviously, you mentioned the ideas of you know seeing live on set. What's you know, what's behind you? But what do you think? I mean, what are some of the driving forces? Did you think uh, uh, are 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 really going to help you know, what you do? better in virtual production as well as where do you think it's going to go in the future and what are you looking forward to? Yeah. So, you know, really, um, you know, led wall is, is very new and, uh, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of buzz around it and it, and it's really been able to advance and solve some problems that we've had, uh, <clears throat> you know, with green screen. So, you know, typically in virtual production, um, you know, this started many moons ago, I think, in, in some features where they were putting barcodes on the ceiling and doing rough composites so the director could frame shots and know where they are. And then there's been some technology and systems uh, that have evolved. And now there's kind of an onslaught of that for, you know, also like uh, uh, different types of variety shows and music shows and entertainment shows. But it's using that technology of real-time tracking Um excellent like what i have found is the the precision in the tracking now is so good whereas before mm-hmm. we might have used the tracking system on set but then we would go and post and retrack the shot because it it wasn't as accurate but now we're finding we can take that data straight out of the system put that into the pipeline and 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 we're no longer you know having to track shots so there's like those advantages right so you know so the you know the typical green screen um build a partial set, digitally extend it, but be able to see that on set. So you're still on green, but the director and DP gets to see the world. You go into editorial with a temp comp, and then we finish out in post. Um, and now, so, and now obviously with the evolution of LED wall, that solves some of the problems that we had with the green screen. So if you have a character with a, a shiny costume, they're no longer reflecting green. They're reflecting uh, the proper environment, which the mind just instantly buys, right? So we've always fought the lighting issue. It's almost like image-based lighting uh, for, for TV now. Like so, where, where that breakthrough was in computer graphics, where you know we used to light things with point lights and source slices and try to get them to integrate and look like they belong in the scene. Then all of a sudden, we come up with image-based lighting, and everyone goes, "Oh my God, it's there! It's real!" And that, right. and that, I think, is what LED walls are doing. Everyone's going, I don't feel that green screen, obviously, because it's not there. And, 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 and the background is uh, being photographed in camera. But it's the way it's treating, you know, it's, it's being reflected into subtle little things like somebody's eyeball. Uh, it, could be, it could be the chrome little uh, knob on a, in a car that's reflecting the environment. All these little things that, that were painful to, to bring to life in green screen. So... There's no question about it. I mean, uh, we're seeing, you know, a big advantage there. Now, that being said, um, you know, it all comes down to content creation, right? Whether you're on a green screen or you're on an LD, LED wall, we still have to create that content. Um, and what we've been doing and what we found, which is really exciting, is, again, we have a hybrid. 
we have an asset that runs in real time uh, on set where we're able to kind of preview that and see that. And we, we have a lot of that data that we take with us. And then we have a, a version in V-Ray. And then we go ahead and we render that with all the best of bells and whistles. So right now we have a hybrid approach, but we get the best of both. Um, that way we can really get uh, all that detail that we need that we may not be able to get in real time yet. So, um, right. but I do feel like the future, and if we're having this conversation five years from now or 10 years from now, we'll be looking at real-time visual effects, right? I, I think that, right. that is, and that is really the draw to the LED wall is that it bridges the gap between production and post-production. So it's always been the director, DP, everybody on a stage, and then the VFX supervisor saying, okay, it's going to look like this. And they go into editorial and then start to get the clips back. But now everybody is together and everybody is working as a team and seeing that vision almost instantly. So it, it, it kind of goes back to the beginning of filmmaking, right? And, and that's what I think uh, a lot of you know producers and directors like is that they have control over the image. They see what they're doing and, and they're not leaving it to the end. Yeah, I think that there's also, you know, the the the, the film industry. I mean, you know, several years ago, I'm gonna I'm gonna say during the during the life of Pi days, mm -hmm. shall we say, yeah. uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, kickback on on visual effects in 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 the in Hollywood in general, mm -hmm. and I think that people were like, oh, it's not nice because it's CG. CG is not as good as practical, and it was really kind of very sad yeah. because I don't think people realized how much of what they're seeing is actually CG. Uh, and uh, what I think, what you know, what I have been hearing is from virtual production because of exactly the way you were just describing it is the 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 filmmakers were given like here here's what you have and then we'll see you later in six months or whatever and we'll give you some visual we'll, we'll show you what it's going to look like and went into this black box of unknownness but now with virtual production they're invited back to the conversation and to see it live in front of them so they feel like they're being filmmakers again and so it seems to be a lot more inviting to them to be part of the, the 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 creative process when it's happening live in front of them. Is that? Do you feel that's the, the case? Yeah, hundred percent. So you know, being that guy that was on set early on in those early days, um, I don't want to think too early, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, you would go out there, and it was really interesting because you, they would be shooting a normal walk and talk, and then it comes to the visual effects, and the minute the blue screen or green screen goes up everything kind of the whole atmosphere changed vibe. it did unless you were like a a vfx show like a star trek or something where that's what we do the the importance of the show is based on this but if it was a show that needed visual effects they weren't I, I don't feel like they were always welcome because you had a dp and a director who basically had to trust you they had no really input in the moment they're you know we're just telling them what it's going to go in there and how it's going to look. So there was a disconnect for them. And there is a, I, not all, but sometimes a lack of trust, right? So you weren't always, didn't feel welcome. It's like, okay, all right, guys, let's get it done. What are we doing? Whereas now the fact that they could participate, they could be an active participant in the process. It's so much better and easier because they feel like they have a voice. And the other thing I would say is that, what I, where I saw the bridge in that was previs, right? So as previs got better and got off the mm -hmm. page from like an illustration into 3D and, 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 and so then that once you had that, everybody kind of knew what they were doing. They all agreed upon it and it made the process easier. So this is just, we keep advancing that 
And I, I think that's where uh, things are getting exciting for visual effects in the sense that um, I think more and more and more it will be involved on a daily basis because now they can actively participate and see whether that be better um, tools on set with green screen to, to, pre to, to see the comp or whether it's LED, the fact that they can see it and shoot it and have a voice in it is, is, is been a great advance. Yeah. Now, you, I mean, I hate to, you know, because I'm going to, you don't know I work for, for, for Chaos. Yeah. And we, I'm a big ray, ray tracing fan, but you, you, you mentioned, you know, like, you know, eventually it's all going to be live. Now, the, the thing that I've been, you know, thinking in, uh, to myself is that the, 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 the barrier right now is that we're still in the terms of the real time technology, we're still stuck with rasterized rendering for a little bit until yeah. it gets completely ray traced. Right. So you, you have mentioned it like, oh, I get it to a point and then I have to do it in V ray. Right. What is, what is the, the difference that you, where you start to feel like you have to do it in V-Ray? Where, what, what, what is the thing that makes, makes that decision? You know, I, I think for us, we still feel that the level of quality that we're getting out of like Ray Trace V-Ray is, um, is top level. Like, you know, we, we, we have that control over it. We have the ability to tweak um, uh, just the image quality and and it is is um, you know to me it's like an insurance policy, right? I know I can go there, and I know it's going to look stunning. And um, until I can get that uh, that level of quality uh, in real time, then this is going to be my work my my workflow. And you know we have built in these tools where we we share assets. We have ways uh, that makes it you know look at with USD now and all these things that, you know, uh, that are allowing us to kind of interchange in different software programs. Uh, it's not nearly as painful as it used to be. You'd have to build a model for this and then rebuild it for that. You couldn't share these elements. Well, now that's changed. And that's where USD, the promise of that is you could take that one asset, you know, into Unreal, you could take it into Maya and we're, we're not, you know, and, and shaders are coming across. And so, you know, in, in that respect, uh, it's gotten easier, but we still feel to this day, we, we want to achieve the highest image fidelity that we can. And right now that for us is, is V-Ray. Right. Well, yeah, I think, you know, the thing is, uh, Vlado and I have always mentioned, it's like, you know, the real time, real time will eventually replace offline rendering, as, as you said before, but I don't think rasterized rendering is going to replace ray tracing. So once, once you have full real time, full ray tracing, then that, then, then we're done. Right, 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 right. And that's the way, you know, right, exactly. So, you know, so, so this is to me, is like the, the best of both worlds. You know, I have a representation that I could show the client that we're kind of living in. And, um, you know, unless you're doing, you know, like the LED wall obviously is in camera, but what's really interesting, what I found is, you know, when we first started doing kind of real-time composites, I wanted to make it look as good as possible, even though I know I was going to redo it because I just wanted to immerse the actors and the director. And everybody was like, okay. But what I found is they ultimately just want to know where they are, what's the world they're in, and then, you know, we, we know what we're framing. We know where the lighting is. We, we got all that. And then they just kind of go into their world of acting and directing. And, and, and it seems like all that kind of disappears for them. And, and, mm -hmm. and they do their thing. And then we, we now, you know, go in there and deliver uh, those final uh, comps. And what I found is that 
by doing it this way, you know, the director has seen it, the DP seen it. It goes into editorial. They're in the temp comps because they're cutting with the temporary backgrounds in there, right? In the right. old days, you'd, they'd be cutting with green screen and you'd send them a comp. And they're like, well, the building doesn't look right. Let's move it over here because they're seeing it for the first time. Well, now everybody's seen it. They've agreed upon it. And you don't get those notes anymore, right? So it just, right. you could find stuff a lot quicker. You may get little things like, can we add a, you know, a plane flying over here? Can we, can we change this car over here? But I remember the days where it was, there was a lot of back and forth because, you know, they had to get their head around. So now it's, they're seeing it, they're used to it. And that part of it goes away. So. Yeah. They've, they've, they've made the decision already, right? They, you don't fix it in post, you fix it now. <laughs> fix it now. Right. Right. And, and, yeah. and even though, you know, that's the big promise of the LED wall, you know, it, it's not, you know, there are, you know, what is the best tool for the job? And, you know, it's nothing is one size fits all. And it, and it works for a lot of situations. And for some, not so much. Green screen is still a viable uh, technology. And, and, uh, mm -hmm. and we still use it consistently. Um, and it's cheaper, too. <laughs> it's cheaper. There's, you know, uh, and, you know, look, let's face it. You look at 90% of the stuff that's on TV, it's green screen, and it still looks amazing. Right. It still right. looks. And that's, you know, because you have great artists out there. You have great supervisors that understand lighting. They're working with the DP to get the right lighting. They're avoiding a lot of the problems that we used to have. Um, and then you make the decision, you know, do we have a guy in a chrome suit? Then maybe we should look at the LED wall or, or you know, there's certain things that make sense for that. But, um, you know, and I'm sure that that technology over time will get uh, uh, more ubiquitous. It'll get uh, the cost will come down and. Uh, so it's, it's interesting to see. I mean, it's what I like about this is it's an exciting time, right? And whether yeah. it's that or green screen or anything, it's, it's involving computer graphics, right? And, and that's what I just love because we've seen the evolution and there's, you know, there, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, trials and tribulations for companies that we've all seen, you know, after 93 and Jurassic Park, you know, if you could put a Wacom pen in your hand, you were hired, Right. And there was this right. big a surge. And then, you know, we went through some difficult times with strikes and, and this and that and some companies closing down. And, and now I feel like we're back again. Right. And I, I can mm -hmm. tell you firsthand that everybody's busy. It's hard to find talented people right now. It, it's, it's, it's an artist market. And, um, you know, so eventually things come back around. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, I think it's very exciting. And, you know, like the, everything you've been saying, it seems to imply is like, we're th these new tools, especially the things that are happening in, in real time uh, are, are basically bringing filmmaking tools back to the filmmakers, right? So that they are a part of the process and they, they feel involved, which I think is, is great for sure. Yeah. But you mentioned the talent, right? Mm -hmm. How hard is it to find a talent and wh what kind of talent are you looking for? Yeah. So, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting because, you know, across the board, we're looking for, you know, everything from, you know, obviously generalist to, um, you know, on the 3D side, we look at all the different disciplines. Uh, you know, typically, if you're going to bring in an effects guy, you know, it's Houdini, and you're trying to find a good Houdini guy, which, are, which has its own challenges. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're always constantly looking. But the one thing I will say, you know, um, and, you know, my guys talk about this and uh, about V-Ray is the thing that what 
so I started early on with Mental Ray, right? And there was RenderMan, and there weren't a lot of like rendering packages out there. And it was like, if you wanted to get into CG, you know, there was a high barrier to entry to understand. Do you need a coder? Like it was, it was a little bit of a dark art back then, or you had to be one of the bigger houses that had deep pockets that, you know, early computer graph, you know, computer science guys on their team. And, you know, since, you know, I think we've been using V-Ray since uh, it, it came out for Maya. I don't know. You might know better than I. It feels like what, early yeah. 2000s or something or? 2006. Yeah. 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 And what we found is it, 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 it kind of removed the whole technical side uh, of it. And it looks beautiful right out of the gate. It was user-friendly, uh, you know, and if you want to get under the hood and drill down and, and customize, you have that ability. But for us being a smaller shop, where it was, you know, we, it was hard to kind of maintain, like, you know, potentially like a computer science that could do shaders and all this thing. It was a welcome addition because now we had, you know, a really good generalist that can get into lighting and and learn it. And and um, there was no real under the hood trickery like the early stuff, right? It was kind of a default. Here you go. You could focus on the art, and so. That that still continues to be a big benefit for us, and that's why we we love it because it, it just continues to, you know. Uh, I, I'm still always amazed at some of the stuff. You know, I'm I'm a little bit more removed now than I was in the day to day shows because I'm managing so much. But you know, I'll see some of the renders posted. We just recently finished. Uh, we're working on a project where uh, it's an Apple show, and there's a there's this. Uh, it takes place inside this mansion. And we had to recreate that mansion exactly, the interior, because, you know, this gal has a vision and stuff happens. And I remember seeing the first post of the renderings and I was like, well, are these plates? Are, the, are we? And, and, I, and you know, I, I'm getting fooled still. And I'm just like, ah, wow. I, I still have that childlike enthusiasm, right? Like I was the guy that would hear my computer hard drive saving a frame rendering overnight and I couldn't st- that was that was what put me to. I would love to hear that sound of it saving the next frame to the hard drive when I was rendering on my Mac, sleeping at night, and and I still have that enthusiasm when I'm looking at this stuff, and it still never ceases to amaze me at like the quality that we're getting, and it's just it's it's just wonderful. That's 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 great. Now, obviously, as you, as as you you know, you and I know, obviously, uh, V-Ray has used in a lot of broadcast, uh, which uh, leads us to how we reconnected recently. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk talk about that. So you gave me a call uh, about a, a week or two ago to tell me some news, uh, which was kind of a little bit out of the blue for me, but it was really exciting. So tell us, ex- tell people uh, on the podcast what, what exactly happened. Yeah, so I, I serve uh, on the uh, engineering committee for the Emmys. And really w- yeah. what we do as a group is uh, we vet all the engineering submit- uh, submissions. What we're looking for is, you know, really game-changing technologies, whether it's software or hardware that have had a profound effect on broadcast television, right? So, so okay. extensive of an improvement on existing methods or innovation that they materially affect the production, recording, transmission, and reception of television, right? So this, that okay. that's a high bar, right? That's a really high bar. Right. So, you know, we're constantly, you know, uh, looking at different technologies and, and people submit. And sometimes what will happen is you might have one company submit uh, and that we will look at other uh, companies that have made that same contribution. So one of the submissions was um, uh, Arnold as a renderer. Mm-hmm. And um, so as a committee, we said, well, you know, 
if if we're looking at Arnold, we have to look at V-Ray is, is, you know, between those two and V-Ray significantly. If you look at television, there is kind of, it has changed the game, right? And being in television broadcast visual effects, seeing what we've been able to achieve um, with V-Ray and, and, and software like Arnold to be able to uh, put that on the screen and create these visual effects uh, has had a profound impact. So we, uh, we looked at that and as a committee, we agreed that we wanted to honor V-Ray with a engineering Emmy for their contributions um, to broadcast television, you know, how it has changed the game for visual effects company. And you could look at, you know, I don't even know the percentage, but I, I can imagine the percentage of visual effects that are on screen today are, are using, you know, that software. So uh, I was so excited to, to be able to reconnect. And, and, and what's really great about this is, you know, I, I'm sure this came out of the blue because you guys did submit and then here I am calling you to tell you we're honoring you because uh, we we looked at you as a company as one of the game changing companies that has contributed in this area uh, of television. So uh, yeah. I think by the time this this podcast probably airs, there will be an announcement uh, publicly. But uh, right. Chaos is being honored with a uh, engineering Emmy uh, for uh, their contributions to you know television. Well, that's. Really great. I got to tell you, when I when I uh, when I talked to Vlado and I called him up because it was you know you told me in the afternoon, so I had to wait to the next morning to to tell him because he was asleep in Bulgaria. But I called him I and mean, I was like, I have to tell you some news, and he's like, Wait a minute. So wait, did, but we didn't submit anything. <laughs> it's like, nope. <laughs> we have enough people that can vet for us on the television. He's like, no, but V Ray has been used for a lot, and so he was really kind of like in, in shock and 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 very excited. Uh, so hopefully, I'm really hoping that he's going to be able to uh, to come to the Emmys. He's actually, uh, unfortunately, his visa has expired, but he's submitted a special request saying, "I'm wanting an Emmy. Can I get an extension <laughs> <laughs> to come to the United States?" So he's trying to he's he's trying to make the, the the schlep here. So I'm very excited for him to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really great, and I really appreciate you know everything that you you guys have done uh, uh, to make sure that we did that. I mean, the television, like you said, is something that is very special. And has become so much more than it even was, uh, you know, just a few years ago, uh, based on, you know, all the things we've said and all the technology that's out there, both on the on the filming side, as well as the, you know, the receiving side, like people are getting really great television content delivered to them uh, every day, uh, you know, in from so many different sources, uh, that it's really great to see how television has really taken off and really redefined the entertainment industry in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think, you know, look, my hat's off to you guys for continually advancing the state of the art of the software and, 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 and what you're achieving, because that allows us to put those types of images on the screen. And I, again, I remember the early days and how painful it was, you know, to do these type of visual effects in broadcast television, just because, I mean, the nature of back then, you know, rendering times and, and, and what it took to really understand and get the software to do what you wanted to. And now, you know, we're able to compete at a speed going back to our earlier parts of our conversation is like, you know, how do you maintain this level of quality in TV when there's so much in time schedules? Well, it's, it's because, you know, we have software uh, like V-Ray that allows us to out of the gate, just jump in there and get some beautiful stuff going that can match the real world. Right. So again, like, 
you know, referencing that right. project, I'm looking at renders and I'm looking at photos and I'm like, you know, you forget which one is which. And that's that's happening pretty quickly with not a like a super advanced uh, computer science uh, user. It's uh, with a really good, you know, Maya generalist that has gotten into lighting and that that has made this their own and really, you know, punching out some great stuff. And now there's just a, a, a solid consistency coming out for us all the time. We know what we're getting. Uh, you know, the, the shaders and it, they look amazing. And, it, you know, when you want something like Chrome, you get it right away. You know, you're not, you're not having to right. do a lot of trickery, all the stuff that you, so out of the gate, we're getting stuff and we can work quickly and dial in those aspects. So, um, it, it did take people a while, even, I mean, back in the day when, when the, the, you know, people were starting to f- switch to full, full ray tracing, it take to people a while. And it's like, what do you mean? I don't need to hire a bunch of shader writers to get this right. Right. They is like, just use the regular material and it'll be fine because it obeys the laws of physics. Right. <laughs> you know? So, so that was a thing that was hard for people to, to wrap their head around in some ways because they thought it was, it needed to be complicated in order to look good. Right. You know? So, and then, you know, I'm talking to one of my guys, I let him know I was going to be speaking to you. He was like, okay, dome light, you know, like dome lights, like, you know, dome lights and V-Ray have been a game changer for him, you know? Yes. And, you know, he said they were, you know, I, I don't know the exact timing, but you were one of the early adopters. And he, he says like, everybody's got it now, but that was the thing for them. That was a big change for them to be able to get that level of quality of like global illumination and, you know, an easy way to do it. Uh, and it looked great right away. So, you know, he wanted me to kind of mention dome lighting. So. Uh, yeah, I. It's funny he should say that because way back in the day, I did a couple of Nomen DVD training DVDs, and this was before the dome light. And I had to show people the trickery of how to get global illumination to work without the dome light. And then it was like you know a couple of years later, I was like, well, why don't we just solved it by just using a dome light or a light or direct light? And I was like, well, all my DVDs were obsolete <laughs> at that point because <laughs> I didn't read anything. So, uh, but anyway, it was it, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's it's interesting. Yeah, the dome light is is definitely something I think that was very important and 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 really changed a lot of ways to do things because you can get, you know, what the dome light is. It's actually it's exactly what the LED walls are. It just gives you all the lighting right away. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean, right. It's the same same idea. Um, and so I think there's a lot of interesting things uh, that are that are going to be happening there in a lot uh, in a lot of ways so yeah well okay you mentioned speed obviously when things get real time that's going to be a difference but what are some of the other things I mean now obviously you're looking you know you're 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 you're, you're very gratefully uh, awarding uh, people with technology that have changed what you've done so far but what are you looking forward to besides the real-time stuff what other things do you think are going to be sort of really enable you guys to do some interesting things yeah so you know again i i think i just go back to you know clearing the way for just pure creativity like the the you know what i get excited about is you know we've spent a lot of time replicating environments right photorealistically um having to build those to exact scale so our virtual lenses respond the same way with depth of field right because if it's not built to the right scale it's not going to match the real world lens that we're rendering and depth of field so you know you, you start getting into the nuancing of like so you know i always say there's two visual effects right there's ooh, look at that visual effect which is your t-rex or or you know in, you know science fiction and then there's what visual effect right which is feels like is 80% of what we do where you fooled people and they don't know that they've uh, 
been taken to a location that didn't exist. It was all done in the computer. And I found like whenever I do demos, that's like it's the biggest reaction. I could show them the alien and they go, oh, that's cool. And then I show them this and I pull back the curtain. They're like, oh my God, right? Wow, I didn't know you could do that. So like to me, like what I get excited about is have having been on this journey for a while is the more barriers that we could remove that gets us into pure creativity. So what does that look like? You know, you know, we're LIDAR scanning locations, then we're going in there and we're modeling, you know, geometry off the point clouds so we're accurate. So, you know, I, I would say like acquisition tools, the way we capture, you know, um, you know, shooting HDR photography at the, at the same point, you know, ways to kind of build these environments uh, in a more efficient way, right? So again, as we get into the future of um, image capture and acquisition and being able to scan an environment and, um, you know, uh, an easier way to build those worlds, right? So they have gotten easier, but again, you're now you're populating those with cars and people and all those elements that get something. Because when you really look at replicating an environment, there's the structural and then there's the, you know, the people, the cars, all the little things that you need to have in order. And there's a lot that goes into that, right? If you're not shooting a plate right. and you're building this synthetically. So I think what I get, you know, what I look forward to is more of those type of tools, um, you know, that, that will, uh, that will help us, you know, create those worlds in a more efficient and quicker way. So we can continue to shorten the time that we need to have those. And, and then uh, again, a bit, uh, you know, the ability I see the future is having a library of these, you know, that, just the way we had sets that we would store, you know, for, for mm-hmm. movie and TV productions. Now they're just going to be, you know, on a hard drive or on a thumb drive and, and, um, and there's going to be more efficiency. And, and then it's just coming down to the exciting part is just creating the content, telling the story. Right. Right. Yeah. I think it is very exciting. I'm very, I'm very excited about what's, uh, what's going to be happening. And, and, and I think that we're only starting to scratch the surface in terms of the potential of virtual production, because every time I start using these tools, I was like, wait a minute, what if we do this? But I wouldn't have known it if, unless I start to use the tool. Yeah, you know what I mean, exactly. So, and the other thing too, is like, you know, we are talking led and we're talking green screen, but you know, the promise of depth King, you know, uh, which, which would allows you to be on a physical location and not need a green screen uh, or LED wall and potentially replace the background. Ultimately, what the future, I don't know, holds for that. I know there was development with like Lytro and, and, and light field cameras and, and the way to extract right. um, depth, you know, uh, while you're capturing that image. But I, I think there's a lot of merit in that because now you're, you're, you don't have to recreate the sun on a stage, right, which gets to be involved. But if you could be out in a parking lot and then you want to just change out the background, but you don't need the big blue screen and you can shoot it and you're able to extract a mat somehow. And then, so I, I think that's an area to me that, that, that would be interesting to see evolve, you know? Um, right. And that way you kind of potentially get the best of both worlds, you know? Um, so it's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's exciting that uh, we're in this time that, you know, is constantly evolving due to the advancements in, you know, uh, in, in GPU processing and CPU processing and all of that kind of stuff where it just seems like uh, that continually advances and everything that comes out is, is new and unique at, at times. So it's, it's, um, it's exciting. Yeah, that is a, you know, I actually, I hadn't thought, I haven't thought about 
about what light fields are going to do to visual effects in the way that you just described. But it makes a lot of sense. I think light fields are something, I think they had their highs and their lows yeah. in, the, in the last few years. Uh, but I do, you're absolutely right. I think obviously if, it, if you can basically completely cut out the need for any green screen and just do it on the fly from depth, <laughs> then yeah. it's pretty, pretty surprising. Yeah, that would be an amazing use case. Right, so, because like yeah. if you look at the LED wall, what they, they love, you know, you're building a practical floor. So you get contact shadows, you have that real interaction with the person in that environment. So you have, a, you know, kind of like what we do with the green screen, you have a partial hybrid set where you're getting contact shadows, you're getting right. all of that. But you need to swap out the, the what's behind it, and so the promise of like light film and stuff like that is, you could be at a location, you are getting the real lighting, you are getting the real sun, you're getting you know which is which is hard to recreate, and then you're able to you know change out the environment, you know. So yeah, you know what is what does it look like in the future? I don't know, but you know um, we're definitely heading in that position. But the, the one thing I think we're not going to go back to is more of the isolation. I think we're going to continue to bridge the gap between you know, post and, and production. And uh, we will be a daily part of all productions. Uh, we will be, right. we will be a department that serves them just the way production design, the art department. And I've seen that evolve, which is to me very exciting because it wasn't always that way. And, you know, I, you know, we definitely have our place at the table now. Right. So you think the lines between pre-production, production, and post-production will just all be blurred into a single production line at that point? I think so, and I think so, and yeah. and I think as these tools advance and um, the way we we um, f uh, whether we do some still some finishing in post, but you know moving a lot of it to the you know to the front. So you know we, we're doing it in pre-production versus post-production. Um, but I just love the integration that the two worlds are meeting together and, and we become one. Whereas, you know, when you had a production, you had, you had um, uh, hair and makeup, you had, um, you know, art department, you had all these different traditional production entities, but visual effects were right. the guys that would kind of show up and then go back to their shop. Right. But now right. we become part of that whole ecosystem. I remember there was a guy I knew who I met at a party and he was, he was a, a key grip and stuff. And he's like, Oh yeah, you're the guys who show up with the Christmas tree ornaments. <laughs> it's like, yeah. right. right. And it's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you don't know what you do. You just take a bunch of pictures of Chrome balls and walk away. <laughs> it's like, but, uh, but yeah, it's nice to be able to be part of it. But I think, you know, also, you know, speaking of exactly that guy, that guy, that role, right. That grip on there. Now suddenly that grip has to start to become, to n be part of that, uh, you know, visual effect uh, as well, right? Yes. They have to s figure out, and so they have to start to be part of this process too. Yes. Which is kind of exciting for them too, I'm sure. I, I think so. And, you know, I, I think a lot of them definitely, you know, I always found they always have an interest. They're always asking questions. What does that do? And why does that have to be that? And, uh, you know, and, and, and we're doing more and more, you know, I spoke on a, like a virtual production um, kind of one-on-one for the television Academy. And a lot of people that were on that seminar were, you know, everything from producers to, to lighting and camera. And uh, because, you know, with the new technology and the tracking stuff, they want to know why you're putting something on their camera. Uh, what does it do? Um, so I, I, I love personally the education process of, you know, getting everybody up to speed. So they, they when somebody does show up and ask to strap something to the camera or do this, they understand. And, you know, when, when people are involved in the process and they become part of the process, they just embrace it so much more and they, and they want to be of help and they want to make sure you're getting what you need versus if, if it's just a dark art and they don't know what you're doing, they just 
they feel maybe intimidated to to get involved. So this kind of again reinforces that um, that sense of you know community within the production group. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, we've 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 come to to uh, pretty close to an hour on this, and it's been absolutely amazing catching up with you. The first thing I want to do is thank you so much for for you know recognizing uh, you know what Chaos has done and 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 what V-Ray has contributed to the uh, to the broadcast community uh, because it you know it's it's really quite an honor and and I really appreciate that you guys have done it uh, did this for us and uh, very excited to come to the award ceremony. So uh, hopefully we will be able to uh, to meet up at there at some point. Definitely, it was uh, it's well deserved. It's uh, you guys. Uh, it, you guys deserve it. You, you've put in the time and the work, and you've you've helped change the landscape of of what we do for television. And without it, we wouldn't be doing it. So you know, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>